0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to you, my friend. How you doing? Happy,
2: happy Super Bowl Sunday. I'm great, man. This is this is this is the day, right? The whole season's been leading up to this. Excited to, you know, get the show underway and you know get ready for the game.
1: This is the day. You want to jump in on the program? 800 919 3776 That's how you do it. Also, uh coming your way in the nine o'clock hour, we're gonna hear from Nick Wagner. Uh, he covers the Rams and have been with them uh, for the last few weeks and, and specifically this last week uh, while uh, the Rams, not like they had to go anywhere. They were home in their own backyard. It's, uh, if, if you listen to a lot of the players uh, talking about it this week, it's great, you know, some home cooking, sleeping in their own beds, eating their own porridge, whatever. Uh, <laughs> much different, of course, uh, than the Bengals. So Nick Wagner is going to join the show in the 9 o'clock hour. And like I said, Mike Tannenbaum at the top of the ten. We'll dive into some some Giants talk as well as they just hired a new defensive coordinator in Week Martindale. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, Kiwi. But we'll do that a little bit later. Uh, let's. I, I do. You know the fact that you're on and you've been in this situation, right? Like you've been here, you've done that. I just. I want to tap into your own personal experience and knowledge, right? Like, so did anybody get any sleep last night?
2: Uh, yes the the guys who have been there before, guys who have been around the league, guys who have. Who have you know visualized and from the beginning of the season they already envision themselves being in this game. You know they have a, a schedule a routine. You know they shut their phone off at a certain time. They've got a gatekeeper, so somebody else is managing. You know expectations ticket wise and requests and all this and that. And they are locked in and and focused calm. They're prepared. They have studied and overstudied and 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 everything that they could do. And they were able to just just put it down. The rest of everybody else, nah, probably not a wink, but they don't need sleep. They're gonna go on adrenaline, um, catch a nap in the afternoon if you can and um, just make sure that you're prepared. But there, there's there's two different ways to win it, right? So we won the first one. Um, I think it was kind of a cluster because we didn't know what the routine was going to be like down to, you know, how are we you know going to get people to the game, family, and whatnot. When we got to the, the second one in Indy, I mean, it was almost like a well-oiled machine. Everybody knew exactly, you know, what preparations needed to be made. Bags were already packed. Hotels and everything were already scouted out. Um, so there's there are two different ways to win it um it 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 still comes down to what happens once you get on that field and the extra time in the locker room the the extra long pre-games and all that kind of stuff once you get past all that you get on those lines you're just playing football again (laughs) it's fun Um, I'm, i'm fired up thinking about it yeah
1: i i could hear it i could hear it in your voice um mm-hmm. i i don't think i don't think i'd be able to, to to sleep a wink i would just be like i'm a very visual person uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to playing sports mm-hmm. and uh and and i like i like i like to visualize a lot it's like when i play golf i like to walk because yep. as i'm walking towards my ball i'm yep. visualizing my shot as a quarterback i played quarterback. Pretty much my entire life, because I I never enjoyed getting hit, and the whole purpose of a quarterback is everybody's supposed to protect the quarterback. So um, I envisioned, um, you know, how a game would be played out. I envisioned what a defense would look like. I would envision Uh where I'm going to go with the ball. So, like, I'd probably be up late at night, like, um, Uh just mentally playing out how I wanted the game to go. It's probably what I would have done last night if I was like Joe Burrow or, or Matthew Stafford. I just, see- it would just be a mental...
2: But that becomes part of your routine. So I, I was introduced to visualization when I first got to BC, I think as, as a freshman in one of my courses. And, and I used it from, you know, from 2000 and what's that? 2001 until I retired, 2015. Every night before I went to sleep, I would just visualize. And it became such habit that that's, that was how I, that was like my calm at back in the day. That's how I put myself to sleep. So there were, the visualization just became routine. Like that was what I did at the end of every single night, you know, and I'd envisioned myself, you know, going through certain places certain calls and it's like, Oh, I'm not sure this adjustment for that. Let me write that down. Let me make a note of that. I'll make sure I get up and check it in the morning. So by the time you get to playing in a Super Bowl, for me, it was just procedure. It was just, this is just what I do. I go through every quarter of the game. I go through every different situation. I go back through, you know, every every issue that we had during practice, starting from Wednesday, Thursday, everything that, that came up, any plays that we had to repeat, you know, go over again and again in practice. If there was a, a specific formation that came up on Wednesday, and then they brought it back on Friday because they had switched it up. You know, you go, you go back through those plays and then that way, I mean, you get it, you get in such a routine that it, that puts you to sleep. Like that's how, that was how I ended up going to sleep. So, um, I get it. I'm, I'm visual visualization. Um, Centric, also, and I, you know, I, I'm sure these these games, all these scenarios for a lot of these guys have been played out through their minds over and over and over. But the ones who get it, the ones who are at that level, who, who understand the magnitude but can accept, you know, the situation, they'll be able to get through all that and then step on that field and just play ball. Uh,
1: quick break. We come back. We'll open up the phone lines 800 919 3776. Um, also, you know, want to get your take on. The week that was because (laughs) a lot of times and, you know, of of course, I I covered, you know, you guys when when you were in the Super Bowl uh, in Indianapolis and several Super Bowls. And really what I'm always told is your prep for the game happens the week before once you get to the Super Bowl city. Um, it's a lot of just fine tuning, and of course, all the hoopla that goes into being there, having to address mm. the media as often as you do. So I, I do. I, I want to kind of, I want to go there with you and, and get your your thoughts and your experience in regard to you know not just the week that was, but the last two weeks and how you feel both these teams um, have prepared for for this matchup. We'll do that when we get back. Matthias Kiwanuka, Anita Marks,
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: By the way, Kiwi, it's snowing here in uh, New York. We're expected anywhere between uh, three to five inches today, and it's just absolutely gorgeous out right now. It's you mm-hmm. know, it's it's that it's that white powdery mm-hmm. stuff. You just want to run out there and jump in.
2: Oh, I'm I'm here. I'm in New York. Oh, you are. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. Oh, I
1: I sorry. I I thought. I'm I thought all you were, over
2: the place. No, I'm I all thought over. Thought you were the down place.
1: in Miami, boo. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, not this time. No, I'm I'm here. I'm in New York. I'm in. I'm enjoying the snow. I had um. You know, the other show that I do, I brought my daughter. Oh, was it two weeks ago or something mm-hmm. like that? The last, the last time that it snowed, but this, this is the snow that that I was hoping to get when, when she was up here. But um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the kids back. I'll bring my son and my daughter back up, hopefully before the uh, before snow. They're they're Florida kids. They don't they don't know about snow. You know, I, I forget because I grew up and I grew up in Indiana. Went to Boston. Lived in Jersey. Like I, I'm I've dealt with snow so much, but you know I I need to get them exposed to it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... I, I'm a Miami girl here myself. So, you know, um it's uh I'm you know, I'm 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 not used to this. So when it does snow and it, it's this gorgeous and this pretty out. It's um, good for
2: character. It builds character the the cold weather, right?
1: It's it's special, that's for sure. <laughs> um all, all right, let's let's dive into again. I love having you on the program because you've been here, you've done that, you've experienced mm-hmm. this before. Talk about how last week really was the week that both these teams prepared for the game. Mm-hmm. And then this week really was about fine tuning, getting acclimated to the the Super Bowl city that you're in and mm-hmm. and in all that that other stuff that the hoopla, the media, all that goes along with that. So let's let's go back 2 weeks and what that week is like preparing for the Super Bowl matchup for both these teams.
2: Yeah, there, there's a, a huge, huge, um, you know, celebratory feeling after you, you know, you win your your conference championship, and and you know you want to you want to enjoy it. You're excited. You know you have some extra time to prepare, but how are you going to use that time, right? So, for the coaching staff, you know the everybody down from, from, you know, scouting staff to, you know, the guys who are in the locker room cleaning up. I mean, that's when they have to really go into overdrive because people are in the facility all day and night working on game plans, going back through, you know, months now of film. So you got to give a lot of credit to the the staff and, and the guys who were or guys and girls who are putting together these game plans. And then once you get out there, you know, you have to be able as a coaching staff to protect the bodies of the individuals who are going to be out there. And what do I mean by that? Protecting them doesn't mean resting them completely. You need to get some work. You need to get some, you know, some sprinting going on. You have to open it up and and go full speed, but, but not too much. And then you have to like individually, like assess each player and figure out where they need to be conditioning wise, where they need to be, you know, um, nutrition wise where they are psychologically like you know where, where what kind of family obligations do they have right so you have all those things that that go into play but when you get on that field to practice that game plan by the end of that week that you're you know still at your home facility it's got to be solid there's always going to be tweaks and you know whenever we played games even you know regular season you know you, you play a night game you wake up in the morning and you know coach wants to call an emergency meeting hey look look We just got a new bit of information we're going to change up this thing this only applies to this one player on this you know down a distance on this part of the field and during this situation can you remember this yes boom you know you go on um but prior to getting to that it's just it's it's about analyzing all the data you can all the analytics that go into it uh, putting together a game plan making sure everybody can believe in it getting the guys to buy in to take care of their bodies and then Allowing them some time to enjoy the process, allow them some time to to go with their families and to celebrate it, you know, to to deal with the tickets, to, to go and, you know, if they're, you know, depending on what they're trying to do for their careers, setting it up, you know, allow them to do some TV appearances, allow them to to have some fun with it, because it still is you know a culmination of all the hard work that you've put into it and it's fun you're still playing a game you have to remember that once you get out there all the work that you've put into it you've got to you still got to find a way to get back into that mindset of hey you know it like cross those lines you know we're just we're grown men playing a game i'm better than that guy across from me and and i can win so um the the logistics the, the um, X's and O's need to be done before you leave. And then now you're at this point, these last couple of days they're into, you know, yeah, enjoy it. Stay focused on the game, but take care of your body the most, get your sleep, get your rest. It's
1: uh, it's, it's, I, I'm sure it's, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, neither of these teams um, have a ton of players who've been here, done that, got mm-hmm. the free t-shirt, right? The Rams have a little bit more experience, uh, but, but, but not a lot. I mean, neither of these quarterbacks have been to this stage before, although Joe Burrow did recently, right. Play for a national championship for LSU, you know, and, and, and I know we're talking night and day, but on such a grand stage, do you think Burrow's going to have an advantage in regard to the fact that he has played in a championship before, albeit a a college championship?
2: I I think Burrow's advantage comes from, borough it comes from within you know there's a lot that's been said about his poise his confidence I mean we don't talk enough about the fact that he's still coming back from a major injury and he took um you know as many sacks as he did and continued to get back up and to and to deliver the ball without you know even it appearing to bother him whether it shook him or bothered him or not like he he didn't he never once wavered so I think um you know there's there's so many different things that you can point to but i think it, it has to it has to be attributed to him his preparation his upbringing the coaching that he's had coming coming up through it you know whatever mentors he's had and then then just him him as an individual um the moment is not just um you know for quarterbacks and for people who are, who are you know have a, a big spotlight on them when we were coming up through it there were a lot of guys who who would get up and and talk and and give some some real good like heartfelt speeches and, and I think some of the biggest impactful ones or the most impactful ones had to do with with guys who were, you know, maybe later on in their careers and had, you know, got up there and said hey look guys like, like, I've played in this league for x amount of years, and I've either never made it to the playoffs or never won a playoff game or, or whatever it is. Like the opportunity that we have, you know, for for young guys, you might get this opportunity again, but when you look in the eyes of somebody, you know, a chiseled vet who's, you know, multiple surgeries and got, you know, you know, kids, you know, almost entering high school and, and knows like he's probably not gonna be around if there's another run at this thing, you know, you, you look at them a little different. There's a, there's a, a different level of respect you know an appreciation that comes when a guy is like hey look like i've put my whole my whole career is based around this moment right now you young guys you you might get another shot but you you the older guys don't get it and that kind of stuff like really helps put it in perspective for, for the young guys to rally around and like, OK, maybe I maybe I, I take it in a little earlier tonight to make sure that my body's ready because it is it is a team, you know, and and we get caught up in, you know, the hoopla and all this, the side stories. But when you spend all that time in the locker room with somebody, you miss Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and this and that, because you're you know, sitting in a, in a sweaty meeting chair trying to achieve a goal and you got it right in front of you. There's no reason to let that go.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
3: All right, so let's start here because I think with a win today, the biggest story tomorrow and the conversation heard all across Sports Talk Radio and on television will be that of one Matthew Stafford's legacy. So if he gets a victory, uh, let's start with you, Kiwi. Where where would he rank all-time? How does that change where he is on the pantheon as far as quarterbacks are concerned.
2: It's difficult. You know, there's a lot of debate that's going to be had for this for a good reason. Now He's played and he's put some receivers in the position to have, um, you know, Hall of Fame careers. So he has to be up there considered one of the greats. But at the same time, winning and being clutch um, is a big factor. So where he ranks, um, you're talking about all time, like, all-time quarterbacks what
3: does it do for his legacy where does it take for him? his
2: legacy for his legacy yeah it solidifies it right like he he was a professional during his time in detroit um he made a way out of it he did it you know what most people would think of as the right way he took advantage of his opportunity he went for it and he won yeah you got to say he's he's definitely one of the greats and then from then on we'll be talking about how much more he could have done had he been in a better situation
3: So you didn't mention the word Hall of Fame. Would he get there? Because consider this. I I looked this up. Mm -hmm. Only 11 quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown more touchdowns and have more passing yards. He's seventh all-time in in game-winning drives. That's above Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Eli Manning. So would he Mm -hmm. be knocking on the door of the Hall of Fame? Is that a conversation or you're not ready to go there yet?
2: It's it's a conversation. I'm not ready to go there just because it is Super Bowl week. He has done some phenomenal things. I think that's part of the reason they make you you know wait a little bit to you know to be eligible for the Hall of Fame is because you you got to let the dust settle and be able to look at the numbers objectively. Is he in the conversation? Absolutely.
1: Um. So so I've I've always been a fan of Matthew Stafford and Matthias knows this better than I do. A, a lot of a quarterback success is is dependent on who drafts him. Uh, mm-hmm. and in what that team makeup is right from ownership to uh head coach to offensive coordinator to quarterback coach and unfortunately uh, Matthew Stafford unfortunately was drafted by the Detroit Lions and um and and really has had a tough go of it but the talent's there it's evident Sean McVay has seen it he brought him over to Los Angeles um they're uh, they've mortgaged their entire future to put this put this team together i mean i don't think they have the first round draft pick for the next decade, Matthias. I mean, of course I'm exaggerating, but kind of not. Uh, um, no. I know. I mean, no. so, you know, now, so he's gone from the worst situation being sold a bag of lemons. Welcome to the Motor City. No pun intended, right? Like when you mm-hmm. get a bad car, it's called a lemon. Um, mm-hmm. See what I did there? And then <laughs> gotcha. uh, to, to the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect storm. So mm-hmm. he wins, a, he wins a Super Bowl. Great. Put that, notch on his belt but will he go into the hall of fame i don't know i think it's 50 50 i think a lot of it will de- depend on who's in there um his cause which beat writer is going to be in there banging the drum of one matthew stafford and does he is he a first time hall of hall of famer i don't think so even it, let's just say hypothetically speaking he gets into the hall of fame i don't think it's a first go around
0: all
3: right, so uh, from that we go here, and I know this is going to be a, a, a you know, touchy subject for a lot of local fans. Uh-oh. But let's let's throw some quarterbacks out there because I heard this tossed around uh, earlier this week. Uh, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Big Ben—we know they were all in the same class and retired. Matt Stafford—where would you rank them amongst those guys?
2: That's tough. I mean, I'm I'm going Eli, Big Ben, uh, Stafford, then Rivers. You're putting,
1: one, in, time out, time out. You're putting Eli Manning in – timeout, timeout. You're putting Eli Manning in front three? of Ben Roethlisberger?
2: Yeah. I, I played with one quarterback in nine years. And so, for me, it's like it's, – it's hard for me to go against – I'm not saying – not just because of, like, I'm like you know, Homer or this and that, but like I, I watched him up front personally, like bring us back himself, you know, those fourth quarter drives and all this and that, like games that probably to most people didn't even matter. You know, I got to to see him up close and personal, watch him, watch his preparation and I just have a lot of respect for him and then um, I, I think it's close. I, I have the same amount of respect for Ben Roethlisberger and what he was able to do. I played against him, I hit him in games and I, I've seen you know his resiliency, but um, in terms of, I'm just thinking of like who would I want to be you know sitting on the other side of the bench when I come off the field after you know just giving up a long drive I think you know you got to look at Eli as uh, one of the most clutch uh, quarterbacks that, that have that have come through
1: interesting um I would go I would go Ben Roethlisberger I would go Eli um Here's the thing, and I- I'm sure you've played against Philip Rivers. He's so freaking annoying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how, how does that come into play as I far can't, as his
2: quarterback I It does. It does. Let, let's
1: he's be, it so does freaking. He's just. He he's, is. he's listen. I am not. I am not a physical person. Like I, I I've never hit anyone in my life. I don't even spank my dogs. <laughs> But like, I just want to punch him in the face.
4: Wow! <laughs> like if starting.
1: I if I was a defensive, I'm sorry, Kiwi. I don't know how any. I don't know how he has not been punched in the face by a defensive player. Like, it, uh, trust he would, me, he would the... he would get he would get underneath my crawl. He would annoy yeah. me so much. Like, I don't know if I would be able. Like, I don't know if I'd be. I, like, I would tell coach, coach, we're gonna get a penalty because I'm gonna punch this guy right in his effing nose. Someone get like, Greg I,
3: Williams on the line. I'm, I'm... I don't.
2: I don't. I don't. um you I don't, don't know him with me, I know don't. no I don't disagree with you I, I don't know him personally but I played against him and that, that was the exact feeling that I had yeah, I was like quarterbacks just... don't talk when you're out there on the field like the, oh, the he most annoying. the most annoyed you'll get by a quarterback usually is when they're like they're they're praising you sack them go, hey good job Kiwi. really good job you're like stop you know what i'm saying like i know what you're trying to do like oh that was a really good hit like oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna cool me off i'm still i'm still gonna rush it now nah, philip was was the complete opposite mm-hmm. he, was, he was he went the other direction he was out there talking he's a and trash that. talker he's a trash talker <laughs> but like without cursing you know
1: more than that it's it's more, it's like he it's it's like he brushes up on you he knows yeah, he does it
0: he, he knows he
1: knows your he knows your inner secrets he yeah. knows he knows what's going to annoy you and yeah. he goes right for the jug like he literally Absolutely. must spend time like on Wikipedia. Finding out information against his oh, yeah. defensive linemen, and he's oh, like yeah. in their ear chirping all kinds of Wait. stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even, I couldn't, I would be fired if I told you the type of stuff you think. That you think
2: he doesn't know, you think he didn't know who the hothead was out there on the field? You think he didn't mm-hmm. go directly, like as soon as the game started, go right after this guy and try to get a penalty and then stare <laughs> down the ref and try to absolutely. I Wait, mean, quick, he's, quick
3: question he's for you, start. Kiwi, because you went yeah. against Brady, obviously. And so, yeah. and, did, was it ever annoying to have a guy like, Like that, that good, always complaining to officials, like looking for the flag.
2: No, because when you, once you start, once you start getting them complaining to the officials, now they're, they're, they're not focused on the, yeah, they're not focused on the the message that's coming in. You know, like he's, he's now his, his focus is distracted. So we'd look mm-hmm. at it like, okay, Hey guys, right now, this is a chance you, you get him first. He's complaining to the officials and then he starts complaining to his offensive lineman. His, mm-hmm. his, his, um, his attention is split. That's mm-hmm. when they make that mistake. That's when he holds the ball a little bit longer, a little bit longer. That's what I was saying about, about this game. Like it's different once you're getting hit, getting sacked. That's one thing, but getting like blown up for, mm-hmm. especially for a guy who doesn't, who isn't used to it. It'll, it'll really affect them.
3: Yeah, I, I always found that, that fascinating. But all right, uh, next question for you guys. So Sean McVay, the the last couple of years, five or six years or so, uh, we've been looking for—not five or six years, but going back to 2018 when he got to the Super Bowl. We've been looking for the next Sean McVay, the next Sean McVay. He's got a chance to win his first championship. So what does it do for, for his— I don't want to say legacy. He's 36. He's still young. But how would we now view him as far as the uh, the, the power ranking of, of NFL quarterbacks if he wins a title today? And by the way, there are reports he could consider going into broadcasting. He said that you know he wants no, to have he's, more family time.
1: He's actually – a report just came out at uh, – I know where you're going with this, but last night he texted Ian Rappaport and said that he's committed to the Rams – He's not going anywhere. He's committed to the Rams next year and for the next several years. But yeah, that report was out there yesterday. But since last night, he texted Ian Rappaport, who said that he's committed to the Rams and to the coaching. Yeah, and I was
3: going to say, I don't think anyone thinks he's going anywhere. anywhere. He's 36. He's still got a a long career ahead of him. But what would a win today do for him as far as how everyone would view uh, Sean McVay versus versus a loss? Because now that would be you got to the big game twice and, and, you know, you're 0 for 2.
2: I think i think it'll be huge for him and the analytics community as, as a whole um i i think and, and also you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with coaches taking some time away from the game. You know, if they're young, um, you know, I don't know what his family situation is, but it, it's a grind. So I, I think um if he gets a chance to win, I think he can kind of set up the rest of his career how he wants it to be. Like if he wants to go do TV for a while, you know, give himself a break and then come back and coach, he'll be able to do that. He'll have, um, you know, more opportunity to to extend his, his longevity. But I think it's just it's winning a super bowl. I mean, that's a notch that you've got to have in your belt. If you want to be considered one of the greats.
1: Um, I know Sean, I I was the sideline reporter, uh, with, um, the UFL and Sean was the tight ends coach on the, uh, on the Florida team. And, uh, Jay Gruden was the, the offensive coordinator. So it was Jay Gruden, uh, Sean McVay, um, and Jim Fossil, by the way, was the head coach of the Las Vegas team. That yeah. was fun to cover Jim. <laughs> um, but um, football is life. Football is life. I can't, I just, I can't, I can't see, I can't see Sean. I can't, I, I mean, listen, it, it's, it's been a hot second, right? Like it was, you know, that was over 10 years ago. But um, I just can't see Sean not coaching. It's, it's, it's in his blood. It's who he is. I just can't see it.
3: Yeah. Uh, That would go a long way for both him and his quarterback. But let's... Go to the other side because uh, there is another football team participating in this game, and I know a lot of people <laughs> aren't giving them the, the proper credit they deserve. You they have. Should, they shouldn't be Other people hit. have it. They you have, been, though. I have. I have. I, I'm team Bengals today. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to say that what happened last week was just, a, just totally a complete meltdown by the Chiefs. The Bengals had something to do with that, with the pass rush and Joe Barrow showing that he had ice in his veins. But let's move to him. Uh, fill in the blank here. If Joe Burrow seals the deal today with a Mm -hmm. victory and think about it. in the last two seasons, the Bengals have won a total of six games. This would be one of the the most remarkable turnarounds uh, in the history of the league to go from two wins two years ago to winning a title. If he wins today, he enters next season as the blank best quarterback in the NFL.
2: I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta go through, like if you're, if you're, being objective and, and stepping back, you gotta kinda take a look at it. If he's on my team, if I'm playing with him, like I'm just straight up, hey, he's gotta be the best. He's the last quarterback to have won a game, you know. Until you dethrone him, you gotta you gotta say he's the best because he didn't he didn't do it with um you know, he, he did it. He had to overcome a lot of odds. You know what I mean? Like you talk about that offensive line, you talk about his injury and coming back, like, like he had to overcome a lot. He's shown his mental toughness. He's shown his poise. He's shown his uh, ability to, to deliver the ball. He's shown that he can call the plays if his headset goes out, like all these different stories, like, like he's done it. So um, the player in me wants to say, Hey, look, like if, if he did it and he put his, his heart and soul out there and was able to, um, to get us to the the you know to the promised land, you gotta you know call him the best, parade him around, let let everybody know that he's the best until somebody knocks him off.
1: I think you can say top five, uh, and I think you can argue who's in that top five. Right, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, of course, um, of course, Aaron Rodgers, who whether he plays for the Green Bay Packers or the Denver Broncos or whomever. Um, you know i i think you got to get russell wilson in that conversation i think you've got to get lamar jackson in that conversation so I, I i think i think you i think you can argue i think you can argue top 5 um it, i'm i'm looking around the league right now and you know in, in regard to the quarterback landscape that's out there um for me for me i would definitely put him in the top 5
3: yeah and then you know justin herbert uh, there are other guys out there that are going to be vying for that spot. But yeah, like you guys said, man, a win today going to be hard to argue that he's not, at the very least, a top five quarterback in the NFL.
0: There you have it. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: Good morning, Mike. How you doing?
4: Good morning, guys. Happy uh, Super Bowl
0: Sunday. Good
1: morning. Yeah, right? So are, are you... Are you in Florida? Are you out on the left coast? Were you out in LA? Kind of, what did you do this week?
4: Yeah, it's amazing with technology. I was in uh, LA all week for a bunch of meetings, uh, Radio Row, and now I'm back and back here in Florida working with you guys and then doing the pregame show with uh, the Portnex later on this afternoon.
1: So, so one thing, I've, I've done a, a gazillion radio rows in my lifetime. And one thing that, that that you do get when you do radio row, besides really five excellent shows, uh, because the plethora of, of guests such as yourself are walking around like cattle, um, is you get a really good feel and sense of the game and the teams, because you're, you're there, you're, you're having really in-depth conversations with people in the know. Based on that, coming back from, it, it's like, and, and, and I'll use an example, you know, the, the Super Bowl that the Giants beat, the Patriots, I did Radio Row that week with Jonathan Ogden. And we left, we, we went back to Baltimore, and I turned to Jonathan, I said, Jonathan, Giants are winning this game. Like, mm-hmm. Giants got this. Like, based on the conversations we had all week, being there, the feel, the vibe, have you come back to Florida with, with a conviction and who you feel really confident about winning this game based on your week in LA?
4: Yeah, I have a real strong conviction about how the game's going to be played and the key to it. I think it's Joe Mixon because if the Bengals could run the ball somewhat consistently, this has a chance to be a great game, like an epic game. Um, If the Bengals can't run the ball, I, I, I don't think it's close. I think the Rams win probably by about two to three scores. Um, I didn't talk to one person out there that or during the week that feels like Cincinnati could block the Rams' front, myself included. Like when you watch the tape, when you watch that Tennessee game, there's really it's, it's a dramatic mismatch. So Zach Taylor's going to have to be a strategist. He's going to have to figure out how to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. And, and the key to the game is fix it. You know, if they can run the ball and make the Rams play the run and dish to the pass, we're going to have a great game. If this is a one dimensional game, this game's going to get out of hand. They, they cannot block the Rams' front. So um, look for Sean McVeigh. I think he'll be a complimentary uh, play caller today, guys. And what I mean by that is if he sees that the Bengals are struggling with their front, he's not going to let Matt Stafford turn it over because they're not going to need to. So um, what I'm really fascinated by is the rushing attempts in the first half. And if Mixon is rushing the ball at least eight to ten attempts, we got a really, really good game. If he doesn't, this could be a blowout.
2: What 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 needs to happen in order for them to get the, the running game going? I think that the running games have not been discussed enough. We, we talked about, you know, how they've been overshadowed by quarterback play defense, especially defensive line play. But is there something that you see that needs to happen for them to get the ball um, in the Mixon's hands?
4: Yeah. I think it's uh, the left side of the Bengals line is much better than the right side. Mm -hmm. I think they can run the ball out of 12 personnel. I think they can run the ball out of 11 personnel, which is, you know, two tight ends, three receivers, Mm -hmm. you know, Mixon's a a bigger guy that could break tackle. So I think you get the Rams in sub Kiwi and and get that smaller package on the field. Let's face it. The the Rams secondary, isn't very good. You know, their, their pass rush makes up for it, you know, Mm -hmm. to their credit. So uh, to me, that's the key. And then, you know, you said something I was listening to the last segment that I totally agree with Kiwi, which is I think – and I, I, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator of uh, the Bengals. I, I totally agree with you. I think on the other side of the ball, knowing Lou, I, I think he's going to take away Cup, um, and I think that's why either Ben Jefferson or OBJ has a big game. But when you have two weeks to prepare and you see the damage that Cup does, mm-hmm. everything about your game plan has to be is we can't let this guy beat us
2: is that a yeah I was about to say like, is, is that the legitimate mindset because i know like when when we go into certain games that's the that's the game plan look guys like this guy is not going to beat us like we are we are focused we're keyed in on this guy but on both sides of the ball um on both offenses there are you know what they consider second you know options that would be first options anywhere else like how do you like how, how would you instruct a team like to make an adjustment and be like, Hey, look, like you can take away Cooper cup, but they still have other guys that are going to burn you. So then what do you do in that situation?
4: Yeah. And that's, again, that's what makes, uh, you know give Lesney the Rams GM such credit. You know, they have great depth there, mm-hmm. you know, despite losing Robert Woods, who's a really good player for them. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if the three of us were in a game plan meeting and we saw all the production that Cooper cup creates, mm-hmm. I still say like, Hey, you're going to beat us left-handed and, uh, we're going to take away cup and, you know, it's not ideal to say, Hey, we're going to single up OBJ. We know he can hit a home run, but I'm just, to me, Cup's been too productive, um, too consistent. Uh, to me, he's the guy that, uh, you have to take away in my opinion. And the other thing about cup, he's done a great job. He's a good blocker. You know, he he's physical. Um, but I, again, I just think if this game was played 10 times, I, I think the Rams win eight of the 10. Um, I, I think something, really fluky would have to happen for the Bengals to win, like Stafford turning the ball over multiple times, much the way Ryan Tannehill did. Um, They're just much better in in most spots. And again, I think Joe Mixon's the great equalizer in the game.
1: You know, Mike, I I do want to, and Kiwi and I spent a lot of time in the first hour really talking about these two defenses and and how these quarterbacks have matched up against these defenses. On one side, Joe Burrow has just been magnificent against teams that come in with uh, a, a highly- uh, elevated uh, blitz rate and play zone defense on the tail end. You look at his games against the the Ravens. You can compare the Ravens defense to the Rams defense in regard to their their blitz rate and and how and what they play. And Joe Burrow again has been really magnificent. Meanwhile, on the opposite side, when you look at Stafford going up against the type and style of defense that the Bengals typically play, which is a very low blitz rate, not even uh, at times it's 16% and a zone defense. Matthew Stafford is horrible. In fact, when you look at the, the, the second half of the game against Kansas city, Cincinnati only rushed three. They sent eight into coverage. And that's really what disrupted Patrick Mahomes. He looked pedestrian Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford, only 52% completion percentage when he goes up against that st- that type of defense, let alone 14 of his 18 interceptions are against that type of defense. So matchup-wise, this really favors Joe Burrow. So I, I find it interesting that you're saying it's all about Joe Mixon when Joe Burrow has had success against this defense and Matthew Stafford has not had success against the defense we're going to see the Rams play tonight. I mean, the, the, the Bengals play tonight.
4: Well, we don't know what type of defense the Bengals are going to play. You know, that's, that's to me like the great chess match. Um, you know, I, again, uh, I've talked to Lou in room. I don't know what his game plan is, but I, my sense of it is, you know, they're, they're not going to let Cooper Cup beat them. I think they'll try to take away anything deep, you know, make him go underneath and, and make Stafford go the long, hard way. Um, you know, the Bengals have a good pass rush too, to me. That's like another interesting X factor, like, Andrew Whitworth is a great guy. He gave a great speech, but he's no longer a great left tackle.
1: Yeah. I actually, one of my favorite bets, Mike, is that the Rams are going to log more sacks than uh, the the Bengals are going to log more sacks than the Rams. And you get that at plus three ten. I think people are sleeping on, on uh, Hendrickson. He's got 16 and a half sacks in the season. So, um, so I'm, which is is impressive. I just,
2: I have to stand up and say, like, as you know, as a defensive lineman, like or defensive player, whatever you want to call me, like 16 and a half sacks, that's a feat. Like it takes some some hard work, some dedication, you know, injuries and and all that kind of stuff, like to be able to come up and put up those kind of numbers. So I give him a lot of credit for the work that he's done, he's put in. So the fact that he's being overlooked, you know, that could be motivation.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: Mike, this morning, Adam Schefter's reporting that Eric Bienemi his future at Kansas city, uh, some big time question marks. Apparently Adam is reporting that he's going to be meeting with uh, Andy Reed to decide, uh, you know, will he continue to be the offensive coordinator and, and what his role is going to be? I know you said that you had an opportunity to, to connect with, uh, with Eric. What, what did he tell you?
4: Yeah. I, I just talked to more uh, about just the, the process. This was not, re- this is probably 10, 14 days ago. We just talked about the hiring process, the interview process. He had a couple of interviews, and we were just having a conversation around that. And he has an incredible story, guys. You know, he took me into detail about the process they used in terms of trying to uh, assess. You know, for them, it came down to Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson. And, you know, he was telling me it was like 1 in 1A and just all the things he went through in in creating a meaningful relationship with uh, Eric, with Patrick Mahomes, the way they evaluated him, how they drafted him, how he coaches them every day. It was inspiring. I mean, he has a great story to tell. And uh, look, I'm not sure why he hasn't been hired yet. You know, I do know that sometimes the interview process can be like stiff and hard. And I've been part of it. I've been hired. I've hired GMs. I've hired, uh, been part of like four or five head coach searches. I've represented coaches as an agent. So I've seen all ends of it. And um, when you get these 32 owners in a room and you have coaches it's sometimes, you know, somewhat of an awkward dynamic. And uh, I've seen it work. I've seen it not work, again, over two decades. But, you know, by any standard, you know, Eric bien deserves to be a head coach in our league. And um, his story, like, the more you dig into it, it it's really – it's fascinating. You know, again, Mitch Trubisky was drafted before him. Like, the, the way, like, it's easy to say, sit here now and say, oh, of course you're going to take Mahomes. But Mahomes went 10th, and then he didn't really play his rookie year. And I have coached the all the credit in the world, you know, not only to help identify who to draft, but more importantly, once you have them, how do you maximize his ability?
2: Do you think that he'll get a shot? Like, I mean, do you think in this climate that that he'll get an opportunity to be a head coach? If so, is there a team that you think would be a good fit?
4: Yeah. Kiwi, you know, like, absolutely. I, he should. I mean, you know, we're, we're, saying it's the quarterback driven league. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little surprised that, you know, things didn't work out in Chicago, you know, Joe Shane gets the head coach uh, GM job of the Giants, and they hit on Josh Allen. and The guy that helps develop him is Brian Dayball. Developing Daniel Jones is a big part of that job. Brian Poles was the personnel director of the Chiefs. He goes to Chicago. A big part of that job is going to be to develop Justin Fields. And for whatever reason, he doesn't hire Coach enemy.
1: So, what 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 other opportunities are out there at this stage in the game, Mike?
4: Yeah, Anita, that's a great, I don't know. Um, I would think he would wind up back there. I don't know that. We didn't talk about that. You know, again, I talked to him probably 10 to 14 days ago. And, again, I can't tell you how impressed I was by him. He, he, to me, he deserves to be a head coach. So, obviously, it sounds like it's been widely reported that Kevin O'Connell will be the head coach of Minnesota. And that sort of wraps up the, uh, you know, the hiring cycle for this year.
1: You know what what again like you you see you see the success that he's had in Kansas City. I know there's talk and speculation. He doesn't call the plays. Does he call the plays? Does he not call the play? Like, you know what, what what do you feel around the league has been the hesitate because it's not it's not this just this year. It's years. It's the past few years that we always question. Well, why not Eric Enemy? What do you feel is the main reason why he's getting passed over?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I know like earlier in my career, um, there were games where Coach Parcells, if he didn't like the way the game was going, he would call the plays. Um, you know, he he had Charlie Weiss, he had Dan Henning. Um, we saw Dan Campbell this year take over play calling from Anthony Lynn. Like those things happen. But again, like if we were running an organization, I'm much more into player development. I'm much more into mm-hmm. I don't really care who called that third and sixth play. Like being a head coach is about scaling leadership. Mm. So I I, um, I don't know why he hasn't been a head coach, but I, I I was really looking forward to, like, talking to him, and I thought I'd be impressed, and I was blown away by him. I just think the way he could connect with people, the way he's – you know, it, it's one thing for, like, the narrative – I think the lazy narrative around the Chiefs are they have Kelsey, they have Mahomes, they have Tyreek Hill, They're going to score 30 points. And, you know, Kiwi, you know this as a former defensive player, like they're going to get everyone's best punch every week and they're going to see every blitz package going to mankind. They're going to get everyone's best punch. And this is a team that's been in the championship game for consecutive years. And this is a man that deserve. he deserves a lot of credit. Now, you know, is it 10%, 30%, 80%? I, I don't know. We're not in those meetings every day. But what I can tell you is like, when you talk to players there, they really respect him and give him a lot of credit.
2: Yeah, that's that's a that's a sentiment coming out of it. And I agree with you a lot that that player development is is a big part of um, of a coach's job and just managing players, managing players attitudes their off the field issues time management like whether they're healthy or not I think a lot more of it goes into the relationship aspect than than just calling the x's and o's so I do hope that that he gets a shot I think you know um you have more of a personal relationship with him so um you know I'll I'll respect your opinion on on whether or not he deserves it but you know from from my perspective it, it seems as though he deserves it and that there should be a shot coming for him at some point
1: Gentlemen, let's turn our attention to uh, what happened this week with the Giants, and that is they decided to go with uh, Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator, which I, I find interesting. I'm, I'm excited about it. But as we know, and you know I, I touched on this earlier, you know, comparing the Rams uh, blitz rate, I mean, the, the, the Ram's blitz rate to the Ravens. I mean he's a blitz happy. I mean, th- th- that's the defense he likes to bring. Compound that, and, and Mike, I, I'd love to come to you on this, and that is, you know there's talk and speculation. They're going to have to let Bradbury go. You know, um you know, based on the horses that the Giants have in their stable the 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 top name guys that they might have to let go because their salary cap strapped. How does that play into what I want to believe Wink Martindale would like to do here? How do you balance that, Mike?
4: Yeah, that's what coaching is. It's taking what you have and maximizing it. And there's no thirty two teams. There's never going to be a perfect situation between injuries salary cap player availability it's never going to be perfect so i want to work with a coach that has guiding principles that they have foundational beliefs and at the same time they're going to get the most out of whoever they have so look we're a million miles from labor day to know you know who's starting who's on the team who they draft who they trade for does bradbury take a pay cut like there's a million things that are going to happen but One of the things I like about Don Martindale is that was a defense that was decimated by injuries. And I'm always inspired by the coaches that talk about what they can do and what they, you know, Mike Grable was coach of the year. They had the one seed. They had 91 players play for the Tennessee Titans. 91. He didn't talk about cap charges. He didn't talk about draft picks in the future. He didn't talk about woes me. He just went out there and coached the guys he hadn't them better. And that's why Mike Grable's the coach of the year. And Don Martindale Is a problem solver and I think it's a really good hire. He's not gonna talk about cap problems. He's not gonna talk about, hey, you know, Jimmy Smith got hurt or Marcus Peters is out, or you know, all the other injuries they had on that team. And and I think that's sort of an especially in the New York market guys, like you know, like our market. Nobody wants to hear excuses. Like Kiwi, anyone ever feel bad for you when you had a bad day? No,
2: absolutely. The producer you go home. Yeah, it's, it's not for everybody. And that's, that's what, you know, what I said before, too, is that, you know, playing in New York, coaching in New York or doing anything in New York, it, just because you don't make it doesn't mean that you're not successful or not capable of making it somewhere else. That spotlight is bright and it ta- it takes a certain amount of, of thick skin. I think we're at a the really difficult point for for giants, just fans, New York fans in general right now, like we have to be patient. We got change, change is coming. It's being initiated. I think you have a, a good working understanding of the process. So um, how do you, how do you feel about the hires that the giants have made? Is there anyone in particular that you think is going to be, you know, a standout? Um, I like, the fact that they brought um, T Mac back, like, hey, I thought he was, you know, I I played, you know, while he was there, and I have a good understanding of how much he loves the game, how passionate he is about the game, and and so I trust that the special teams, uh, you know, will be be good. But um, like, what do you, what do, you, what, how do you rank the the hires that they've made so far?
4: Yeah, it starts at the top for me. I, I really like Day ball because Brian's a problem solver. Like I saw it firsthand. Again, I think the story bears repeating. We trade for uh, Brett Favre at the Jets. Somehow he finds out that Favre loves crossword puzzles mm-hmm. and he put the first few installations in the form of a crossword puzzle. And uh, it's a little thing, but I think it's a long way in terms of understanding how to reach each of your players. And then the guys work for Bill Belichick, Nick Sabin, Eric Mangini. He knows offense. He knows defense. Um, and I think he has ability to reach people. So, Um, I think he has a chance to be a really, really good head coach.
1: Um, In in regard to some of the other news and notes out there, Vic Fangio apparently is going to take the season off, uh, and he has declined to take over some of the defensive coordinating uh, offers. Also, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what's going on with Sean Payton. There's a lot of talk and speculation in regard to what he might do. There's also some rumors out there that he's building a home in Dallas I'm curious if a coach and you might not know this and I apologize I hate asking questions that I'm not sure if if, if somebody has the answer to so I I preface by saying I apologize asking this question but I'm going to ask it anyway Mike because we're friends and that is do you know if a coach um takes a year off does is his contract null and void in regard to let's just say hypothetically speaking if Jerry Jones wants to hire him as the head coach next year Jerry would not have to give up draft picks for him where um, if a team wanted Sean to coach for them this year, they would have to, how does that work? Do you know?
4: Yeah, I do. And the, and the answer is absolutely they do. So if Sean Payton had two years left on his contract, then absolutely. They would have to negotiate uh compensation. If Sean Payton was going to be the head coach uh, in 2023, and it's, it's very logical, right? If not, just think about um, the chaos that would ensue. If Bill Belichick took one year off and then he was a free agent, you know, that's, Contract comes with rights and liabilities to both sides, so that is the rule. Uh, and to me, the rule makes a lot of sense.
1: And we don't do we know the length of of Sean Payton's contract? Because I know I know coaches' contracts that 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 knowledge is not attainable often.
4: Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, know I know he's under contract for at least this year. So,
1: okay, interesting. Interesting to see what what develops there.